It was a big night in Atlanta Monday. On one side of town, a queen was addressing her adoring masses. Meanwhile, just down the street, a former president was being indicted. A Fulton County grand jury returned a true bill of indictment. Not for the first. Earlier this afternoon, Donald Trump was arraigned on a New York Supreme Court indictment. Not for the second. Charging Donald J. Trump with felony violations of our national security laws. Not for the third. Charging Donald J. Trump with conspiring to defraud the United States. But for the fourth time. Coming up on Today Explained, this fourth one might be the biggest one yet. That guy means business. Just an amazing player. No, not him, the sports photographer behind him. Uh, what? He has a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where he earns 5% annual percentage yield, so he's scoring big on and off the field. You might even say he's the MVB. MVB? The most valuable business. Making your money work harder. That's how you business differently. Intuit QuickBooks. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes are in APY. APY can change at any time. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. This is Today Explained. Stephen Fowler covers politics for Georgia Public Broadcasting, where he also hosts their Battleground Ballot Box podcast. He says this Fulton County indictment is different from the three that preceded it for three big reasons. One, this is a case about the former president's election malfeasance that's coming from a state, which means he won't be able to pardon himself if convicted and if reelected. Two, tons of people from the former president's election fraud posse are getting charged along with him. And third, as you may have heard... Yeah, I mean, the, the prosecutor, Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis, has said in the past that she likes RICO as a prosecutorial tool because it sets a good narrative and it allows her to go before a jury and really paint a picture about the broad scope and scale of crimes that happened. So all 19 people are being charged under the racketeering Influenced and Corrupt Organizations Act, which basically means that they found at least two of these predicate acts that show a pattern of racketeering activity. On top of those things, there are actual other standalone election law crimes or just general crimes that they're being accused of. So there are 41 different counts in this uh, indictment. And Donald Trump 
has been charged with counts 1, 5, 9, 11, 13, 15, 17, 19, 27 through 29, and 38 and 39. And uh, those, those are a lot of numbers, but basically there were false statements made to state lawmakers trying to tell them they could overturn the election. State law doesn't in any way prevent you, the legislature, from immediately taking this over and deciding this. That, that, that power, right, obligation is given to you by the founding fathers, deliberately. There were false statements and solicitations of high-ranking state officials like Georgia's governor and secretary of state. It's more illegal for you than it is for them because you know what they did and you're not reporting it. That's a, you know, that's a criminal, that's a criminal offense. And, and you know, you can't let that happen. That's, that's a big risk to you and to Ryan. The fake electoral college documents. His idea is basically that all of us, Georgia, Wisconsin, Arizona, Pennsylvania, etc., have our electors send in their votes, even though the votes aren't legal under federal law because they're not signed by the governor, so that members of Congress can fight about whether they should be counted on January 6th. The harassment and intimidation of an election worker. There is nowhere I feel safe. Nowhere. Do you know how it feels to have the president of the United States to target you? Solicitations of Department of Justice officials, the vice president, and the unlawful breach of election equipment. I'm the guy that chartered the jet to go down to Coffee County to have them inspect all of those computers. And I've heard zero. Okay. I went down there, we scanned every freaking ballot. And obstructive acts in furtherance of the conspiracy. And Trump sits squarely in several, several, several of these buckets. I mean, he's being charged with uh, solicitation of violation of oath by a public officer for basically trying to get an elected official to do something that goes against the oath of their office. So what are we going to do here, folks? I only need 11,000 votes. Fellas, I need 11,000 votes. Give me a break. He's being charged with conspiracy to commit impersonating a public officer for pushing the false elector slate of campaign. He's being charged with conspiracy to commit forgery in the first degree. And so the list goes on and on and on. But, you know, if you're painting this narrative of this massive criminal enterprise, you know, figuratively and literally, Trump is at the top of this list. The second person on the list is Rudolph William Lewis Giuliani. You don't know what you're talking about, idiot. Former New York mayor, now personal attorney of the former president. Giuliani faces the most number of counts tied with Trump mm. because Giuliani also had his hands in just about every aspect of the post-election period. Giuliani helped speak to Georgia lawmakers and told them they couldn't certify the election. But there's more than ample evidence to conclude that this election was a sham. It was an embarrassment to the citizens of your state. He also spread nasty allegations about Fulton election workers. How can they say there's no fraud? Look at that woman. Look at her taking those ballots out. Look at them scurrying around with the ballots. Nobody in the room hiding around. They look like they're passing out dope. He's facing a defamation suit from those workers and stipulated recently that, uh, yes, some of the things that he said were defamatory per se. A particular irony here that America's former mayor, Rudolph William, 
Louis Giuliani is being charged on all these RICO charges specifically is that he kind of made his bones as a prosecutor bringing RICO cases against criminals in New York. Yeah, you know, there's a great Southern expression uh, says a hit dog hollers. <laughs> and uh, that's how somebody described uh, the legal jeopardy that Giuliani was in as this was getting close. But, I mean, Giuliani is the tip of the Rico iceberg along with Trump. John Eastman, the constitutional scholar who said the Constitution allows you to pick your own electors. He described for me what he thought the ambiguity was in the statute. And I said, you're saying that you believe the vice president acting as president of the Senate can be the sole decision maker as to, under your theory, who becomes the next president of the United States? He said, yes. I said, are you out of your effing mind? You've got Mark Meadows, Trump's former chief of staff, who helped organize calls with officials like Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. Mr. President, everybody is on the line. And just so this is Mark Meadows, the chief of staff, just so we all are aware. You've got... Uh, other lawyers like uh, Sidney Powell, who infamously filed the Kraken lawsuit in Georgia. I can hardly wait to put forth all the evidence we have collected on Dominion, starting with the fact it was created to produce altered voting results in Venezuela for Hugo Chavez. I'm going to release the Kraken. You've got a couple of Georgia's fake electors that were not just fake electors, but elsewhere involved in these schemes. You've got Kenneth Cheesebro, a previously unknown lawyer that wrote memos outlining how the fake elector slate should go and arguing that they were allowed to move forward. And, you know, we still have more and more and more defendants. But the, mo the more interesting thing that I think has flown under the radar of people's ideas about who could be charged is uh, three people, Stephen Lee, Harrison Floyd, and Trevion Cuddy. Trevion Cuddy, I believe, worked for Kanye West. <gasps> At one point, Kanye West publicist. <clears throat> so not necessarily your, your average American, like grassroots, I'm not involved in politics except for the ways that I love it type stuff. But here you have, you know, from the highest levels of government all the way down to kind of low-level foot soldier types doing everything from turning the screws on the vice president all the way down to harassing a grandmother at her home for, you know, working in an election and counting votes late one night. It just really shows the scale of this indictment. But again, just the scale of willing to do whatever it takes to change the election outcome. I think we all know how this is landing with the former president. Bing, bing, bong, bong, bing, bing, bing. But how is all this landing in Georgia, Stephen? Do Georgians broadly support Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis, or is that more of like a Fulton County thing? Well, you know, Fulton County is one of the most democratic counties in the state. It's also the most populous. So it does, uh, what happens in Fulton County does skew a little bit more proportional than some of the other parts of the state. But I do think there's a certain level of Trump fatigue in Georgia because of this 2020 election and because of how much it dominated the 2022 midterm elections that we're, I would say, 
looking to move to a post-Trump political scene where there's still clashes over ideology between left and right and the democratically controlled urban and more suburban areas and the rural Republican-dominated portions of the state. But, you know, it's hard to say, too, because these indictments are so fresh. And (laughs) there's plenty of people that like to go on TV and social media and say, this is a scam, this is a witch hunt, or like, this is the rule of law coming down. But nobody had time to read it. Nobody had time to actually digest all of this. And so I I guess it's hard to say what the true impact is, especially because this is the third year of talking about 2020. Well, I'm sorry, well... So many of your fellow Georgians were seeing Beyonce. You were reading the indictment, Stephen. Everybody say, hey, Miss Carter. Hey, Carter. Uh, you know, in, in many ways, the, the, the indictments and this culmination of three years of coverage is my Beyonce. Georgia wants to move on from the former president right as it's becoming the epicenter of his legal woes. Stephen's going to tell us more about that political paradox when we're back on Today Explained. Support for Today Explained comes from Mint Mobile. Big improvements can make your past behavior look absolutely wild, says Mint Mobile, targeting all of us personally. And Mint Mobile wants to do that with your phone bill. Mint Mobile offers wireless plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. And in retrospect, you might feel a little silly about how much you were paying before. Plus, according to Mint Mobile, all of their plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's biggest 5G network. You can get this new customer offer and your three-month unlimited wireless plan for just $15 a month by going to mintmobile.com explained. That's mintmobile.com explained. You can cut your wireless bill to $15 a month at mintmobile.com slash explained. $45 upfront payment required. Do the math. That's equivalent to $15 a month. This is for new customers on their first three-month plan only. Speeds are slower, above 40 gigabytes on this unlimited plan. And additional taxes, fees, and restrictions do apply. See Mint Mobile for those details. Support for the show already comes from Delete Me. Your personal information is online. So is mine. I don't think I'm breaking any news by saying that, but you might be surprised to know just how much of your information is available not only for people to see, but to sell as well. And that's where Delete Me comes in. Delete Me wants to help you keep things such as your name, number, home address, and other private information out of the hands of data brokers. I've never personally kept my information out of the hands of data brokers, but perhaps Vox's business team's Claire White has. Removing the data that Delete Me found was super easy because I didn't have to do anything. They already removed my information across sites that they deemed as unsafe. I truly did not have to lift a finger. You can take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me Now at a special discount for our listeners. You can get 20% off your Delete Me plan today when you go to joindeleteme.com slash today and use the promo code today at checkout. Again, you can get 20% off by going to joindeleteme.com slash 
today and enter the code today at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash today. The code is today. I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for Today Explained. Stephen, it feels so much like the former president's political fortunes have been tied to Georgia since before January 6th and certainly in the two and a half plus years since. That's my perspective as someone who who lives north of Richmond, as they say. But what's the sense down there in Georgia? Well, you know, I, I think there was a viral ad Republicans caught featuring words from Chuck Schumer. Now we take Georgia and then we change America. And we find ourselves back in the same position for 2024, where most of the electoral map isn't really a question. But Georgia is one of those states that is. And so Georgia is a state that voted for Donald Trump in 2016 and did not vote for him in 2020. And if you chart that dotted line out a little bit further, would seem likely to not vote for Donald Trump in 2024. And so, yeah, I would say, you know, Georgia's in the driver's seat of not just Donald Trump's future, but I would say American political future. And not only that, but it's now bringing this case, which is arguably the most serious and broadest of all the indictments against the former president, under a Republican governor, no less. Has said Republican governor weighed in on these indictments yet? Brian Kemp has weighed in in interviews and other things by saying, look. Quit looking back at the 2020 election. I mean, for goodness sakes, I was two and a half, three years ago now. Uh, the American people want to know, what are you going to do for me to help me offset the bad policies of Joe Biden? So he's not explicitly sitting down and doing an interview and saying, Donald Trump is too focused on the past and that cost him in the past and will cost us in the future. But he is offering that sort of politically savvy messaging way of saying, you know, we really need to do something because it's not going to work if we keep, you know, relitigating a past election for future, future elections. I think maybe Brian Kemp has moved on from Donald Trump and his reelection showed that he's moved on from Donald Trump. And I think the state of Georgia and voters on both sides of the aisle are moving on from Donald Trump in a way that uh, there can start to be political conversations about what does it mean to exist without Donald Trump taking up all of the oxygen and all of the political calculus. And so, you know, Kemp is a second term governor who doesn't have to worry about winning a primary or, you know, appeasing people in an election year, kind of uh, loosening the tie a little bit and unbuttoning the sleeves and kind of uh, being a little bit more authentic of this is kind of a hard pill to swallow. This is the truth. This is what we need to do. And trust me, I would know because I won my reelection in a blowout. It's interesting you say that while at the same time we see this highly indicted, the most indicted president in the history of this country who made history by becoming the first president to ever get federally indicted or indicted by a state is dominating the Republican primary across the country. I'm leading in the primary polls by 50 and 55 percent against him and others. And poll just came out where I'm leading in Iowa 
We love Iowa by 34 points. I'm leading in New Hampshire by 35 points. And I'm leading in South Carolina by over 30. Sometimes there are disconnects between the smaller, more fervent primary bases of a political party and what the broader electorate wants. Uh, You see that a lot in the 2022 midterm elections where primary voters on the Republican side nominated these farther right more pro-Trump candidates in crucial Senate races. And then when the time came for the entire state population to vote, they're like, ah, we actually prefer the Democrat or maybe more aptly, we prefer not you. And I think the interesting thing about Georgia and these indictments and them coming at a time when Trump appears to be, you know, the unstoppable force dominating the Republican primary is that there's not really anybody nationally that has figured out how to position themselves as opposed to Trump and his actions, still committed enough to core Republican orthodoxy, and also capable of not sending key blocks of swing voters running away screaming. And you see it with the struggles with the Ron DeSantis campaign. Holsters found Trump has a 20-point margin over Florida's Governor Ron DeSantis, who, despite improving seven points since April, remains a distant second. You see it with all of these other presidential candidates getting in, pulling one, two, three percent, fighting for scraps among what could be a broader coalition of Republicans willing to move on from Trump. And in Georgia, you see that with Brian Kemp being one of those few figures who has been able to distance himself from Trump and say, you know, what he did, not that great, not that helpful, and not lose any of his bona fides of being a very capital C conservative. So it sounds like you're saying that George has basically figured something out that the rest of the country hasn't quite figured out yet. Yeah. I mean, I I think Georgia is on the inside track to figuring out what it's like to be in a world where Donald Trump is not the alpha, the omega. And it's not just Brian Kemp. I mean, look at Raphael Warnock, who just won re-election in a hard-fought runoff. He ran against a candidate who was notoriously one of the weakest statewide candidates. I don't know if you know vampires and cool people, are they not? But I'm going to tell you something that I found out. A werewolf can kill a vampire. Did you know that? I never knew that. So I didn't want to be a vampire anymore. I want to be a werewolf. But then anyway. Had struggles with the campaign. I didn't really embrace the pro-Trump nature of the campaign as much as some of the other Senate candidates did, but paved the way for Raphael Warnock to talk about things like lowering the cost of insulin and education costs and rural health care and things that aren't exactly, you know, the like far left scream it from the rooftops, progressive things that can fly in places where there's way more Democrats than Republicans. But also, nobody's accusing Raphael Warnock of being a moderate, flippy floppy, like, will he vote with the Democrats? Will he not? Warnock, in his own way, is able to be authentically his self and authentically a progressive pastor, voting rights advocate, but also speaking to 
the reality of the constituency in Georgia in a way that's authentic. So yeah, I think as much as Brian Kemp and Raphael Warnock don't have a lot in common ideologically or even uh, how they view campaigning and retail politicking, their ability to basically read the room of Georgia and effectively govern That's the secret recipe that maybe more people should be copying in other states and in other places if they want to have a political ecosystem that is not Trump, 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 Trump. It's so funny to think about that, Stephen, in light of this week's news, that that Georgia is this one formerly pretty red state that sort of managed to to sort of carve its own trail out and become a political bastion that's that's moved on from the former president and will now be like the epicenter of talking about the former president until this trial happens and even more so at that point. It seems like a paradox. You're sitting there listening to this conversation and you're like, how can Georgia be the tip of the spear on a potential criminal conviction of former President Trump, and also the tip of the spear of moving on from him and going into a post-Trump future. I mean, well, Georgia, we're just built different. (laughs) And I guess we just have a two-sided spear to deal with. But not everybody is going to be involved with the trial and pay attention. And sure, there'll be cameras and sure, there'll be this national attention. And I mean, I have never seen more people in one block in downtown Atlanta not at a concert or a football game or something than at the courthouse when you had international broadcasters. Every local TV station had all of their crews and their cameras and their vans and their everything. But like, I mean, it's a circus. Georgia is a circus and uh, they're trying to make Donald Trump a sideshow and would rather focus on some of the other rings of the circus. But I, I guess it just, you know, Politics contains multitudes, and Georgia is the most multitudinous of all right now. <laughs> the, the second hottest ticket in Georgia on Monday night was the Fulton County Courthouse. The first hottest ticket was still Beyonce. Exactly. And, and so much so that uh, when all was said and done, uh, even the venerable Atlanta institution of Waffle House was crumbling under the infrastructure pressure of both uh, post-Beyonce fans hungry for food and a post-courthouse reporter hungry for something to push through a 24-hour shift. <laughs> we won't name any names. <laughs> we won't name any names, but he rhymes with me. <laughs> Stephen Fowler, Georgia Public Broadcasting, hosts a podcast about Georgia politics called Battleground Ballot Box. Say that 10 times fast. It's all about Georgia elections, which turns out they matter. Check it out. Check out Beyonce. Check out Hadi Mawagdi. He produced this show with help from Amina Al-Sadi, Laura Bullard, and David Herman. I'm Sean Ramos This is Today Explained. Today Explained.